So this episode was already in the can prior to February 19th. We just wanted to hop on before we get into it and acknowledge the huge sad news mm-hmm. of the passing of Richard Belzer. Yeah. Luckily, this episode, we were <laughs> we were giving Munch a lot of props because he's pretty awesome in this episode. Munch was great this episode, yeah. Yeah. We wanted to acknowledge Richard Belzer and I guess just kind of like put out there thanks for everything that he did. Yeah, he's a fucking comedy icon, you know? Yeah, and he's a character actor icon. He started as John Munch on Homicide, Life on the Street. I was reading something about this the other day. His first appearance as John Munch was in 1993 and his last appearance on SVU was in 2015 as John Munch. So what is that, like 900 years? Something like that. Yeah. Hmm. And um, John DeMunch entered the scene (laughs) in the early aughts. Or was that late 90s? Doesn't matter. Um, Diamond connoisseur. (laughs) I mean, no matter how much we drag it, we drag everybody. We're going to drag everybody. But yeah, Munch gets the most shit from us. And we both made a point, like when we were talking about it, we both made a point to be like, we appreciate Richard Belzer as being separate from Munch. And we're still going to talk shit. Still going to talk shit. Yeah, I'm still going to. It's hard not to. I mean. Yeah. His character is smarmy. He'll always be a pile of rats in a trench coat, Munch. <laughs> He'll always, yeah. You'll always be a rat king to us, Munch. Rest well, rat king. <laughs> Richard Belzer, thanks for everything. You're a fucking king. You'll be missed. His last words are just chef's oh, kiss. Fuck you, motherfucker. Uh, this doesn't mean shit, but this episode is dedicated to you, Bells. <laughs> <laughs> All we are is dust in the wind, Munch. Okay, on to our stupid show. Thanks, Bells. What's new, Pussycat? What's good? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I stick a beef in my mouth. So the kids are fucking home from school today. Ugh, again? Yeah. It wasn't even snowing this morning. Everybody's Why? pissed. Well, it's all the fucking schools in the area are doing it because it's supposed to dump really hard, like all afternoon. But it just started and it's not even going to get bad until like six o'clock. I'm like, what is this fucking Texas? Do a half day. Even though yeah. it would have completely fucked my recording schedule if they did a half day. But I don't need to go on a, on a fucking rant about that shit. We have enough to be angry about today yeah this is a pretty pretty decent episode oh my god i watched it again this morning and got myself fucking hyped again mm-hmm. welcome to svu pod especially heinous i'm gabe i'm tasha surprise to me <laughs> <laughs> we are on season five episode eight abomination oh. opening scene there's this lovely crossing guard <laughs> she hates her fucking life <laughs> yeah she's helping all these kids practice crossing the street for school she's like everybody just look and listen and they all start walking across the street and she tells them to stop running and then she whispers to herself and us <laughs> i hope a cab doesn't splatter you all over midtown you brats and i was like i love her <laughs> so when they get across the street she's looking at something in the alley and immediately tells the other crossing guard lady to take the kids back inside now because mm-hmm. she sees an arm sticking out of a blanket behind some barrels or trash cans oh my god the dead arms flopping out are the missing dicks of season five dude for sure yeah although next week we have a proper missing dick <gasps> oh my god i'm so excited <laughs> i know 
I, when I was like looking up the next episode, I was like, ooh, Miss Dick time. Nice. Have we had one yet? Not this season. Oh, our sweet we, patient we listeners haven't. are like, no, we have not had a missing dick. <laughs> so now Benny and Stabes are on the crime scene being briefed by a super hot responding officer, by the way. Mm-hmm. He was cute. He was, but he was also dumb. <laughs> he was a fucking stupid idiot. Yeah. 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 Aren't they all, though? I know. <laughs> So the victim is a white male in his 20s. He's naked, wrapped in a clean set of sheets and a blanket. Condoms were found with the body. Fluids were found on the body, which is why SVU was called. The victim's neck is also broken. The bruising goes all the way around the neck and the back of the head shows signs of trauma. There's also a powder in the victim's back hairline and a weird blue dried plastic stuff on the sheets. A pillowcase matching the sheets was found nearby with the victim's clothes in it. A note was found in the clothes, 7th and Bleecker, Thursday at 7 p.m. So then this fucking hot, stupid (laughs) responding officer says that she must have shown the victim a good time before she murdered him. And Stabler says, well, actually, (laughs) and tells him that it's actually a side effect of asphyxiation, getting a boner. Yeah. This dude's all smiley and says, oh, really? Because I was going to say he was scared stiff. (laughs) He looked at Stabler for the approval that he didn't get from his dad or yeah. something and, and stapler yeah. was like Mm-mm. yeah yeah so the guy who never goes to the twins birthday parties is <laughs> not impressed not impressed <laughs> he was like he yeah. fucking dom deloise done it too so, i was gonna say the guy was scared stiff <laughs> okay theme song theme song <laughs> okay okay um Now we're at the precinct. The squad's going over the findings. There's a ton of businesses and residences near the location of the note that was found with the victim's clothes. Toots mentions that the victim was found 100 blocks. They've never said 100 blocks ever. Ever. Also, who measures when you get to that level? Like, start going miles, honey. Start going by miles. That's a couple of miles. That's a couple of miles away. 100 blocks. That's just Mm -hmm. a a bizarre. It was 100 blocks away. It was like... Somebody Google how how many miles is 100 city blocks. Oh, how much is this shirt? Well, it's $50, but I'm going to say that it's fucking 5,000 pennies. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. Okay, sure. So 50 bucks then? I couldn't even tell you. 5,000 pennies. It's really important that you understand the weight of of the cost of this. Like fucking... A hundred blocks. (laughs) So the victim was found a hundred blocks away from the location on the note. The perp could have killed the victim near the location on the note. I want him to go visit his aunt (laughs) in California and they'd be like, oh, how far was it? And he's like, 95,000 blocks. (laughs) It was quite the flight. (laughs) Shut up. And I counted every single one. (laughs) Can you just see a guy with a notebook like feverishly make like make (laughs) dashes on an airplane? (laughs) Yeah, just like sweating his dick off the whole time. Like, uh. would you like a drink? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nobody's going to write 100 blocks. Nobody. Munch says that they have no hits from the prince or from missing persons. The CSU captain, Cyper Lady, busts in with updates. She's real pumped about it, too. Oh, she is. She's like, hey, dudes, check it out. She found gypsum particles and white paint. The paint is too common to nail down, but the blue substance on the sheets are a little more interesting. So she put the blue shit under an infrared spectrometer. It's a nylon used for sports equipment, and it somehow melted all over the sheets. 
Uh-huh. But there were two types of semen found on the sheets, which means the victim was with a man the night he died. And I'm like, ew, it's the, it's the 2000s. Gross. Gay people. Were, yeah. Her describing all of that was a drum roll up to her being like, fucking gay. And they're all like, yeah. gay. <laughs> Jesus. Then they're like shocked. Like they don't work for SVU. No shit. I mean, up until this point, they were calling the perp she because they assumed it was a woman because a man was found dead with a boner. And it's like, no, all all it takes all kinds here in the thousands of blocks of New York City. (laughs) Craig and wants the bars in that area that cater to men checked out. Yes. Craig and wants the gay bars in the area fucking checked out. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Why did I... Whatever. At Hugo's bar on Bleecker Street, Benny and Stabes speak to the bartender in his cute little muscle shirt. He doesn't recognize the victim. This guy worked till 4 a.m. but said it was kind of a blur after 10. And I was like, I 100% fucking get that. We always drank when we were bartending. There was one place that I worked at specifically that we were allowed to start drinking when the grill closed at 11. Then everybody would close the bar and stay and party until whenever. Like we would just do shots the rest of the night. Closing was fucking brutal. I can't tell you how many times I I took a fucking cab home from work. Also, I was wondering like, what time is it? Because they found the body in the morning Mm -hmm. and the guy was like opening the bar. Like, did he close and then open? Yeah, we call it a clopin in the (laughs) service industry and they suck. Yeah. And you get like two hours of sleep. Ew. Yeah. I mean, the bar was probably opening at like, I don't know. I mean, maybe they do like a breakfast thing, but a lot of times the bar will open at like noon, but you get home, it's five in the morning. You have to get up and you have to open again. But yeah, that's definitely a thing and it sucks and everybody hates it. Um, Anyway. Everybody works clopins in this universe, apparently. Yeah. That's, there's one bartender that works in a busy seven days a week, New York City bar. Mm -hmm. The bartender tells them the patrons are pretty much just regulars from the neighborhood because of course it's a gay bar. So they're like, oh. Oh, is it fucking dude sex workers? Is it fucking people hustling for dick? Is it, you know, and he's like, no, it's just like normal people just coming to a normal bar, just having drinks. It's just, that's it. It's weird that they don't, they never say that about straight bars. They're like, I know. Like everybody's hustling for fucking at any bar. Everybody's trying to hook up at any bar or have a drink. Just that's normal. There's sex workers at every bar. I don't know. It's just the, it's the, um, there's spray paint on the wall. It must be gang related kind of fucking idea of everything, you know? Right. Yeah. So they go on and ask the bartender about lovers spats. And he's like, oh, the bouncer handles that. Up until this moment, this bartender has had a pretty standard, nondescript American accent. But then he yells for the bouncer and he's like, hey, Tony, police. <laughs> yeah. I like, noticed that too. <laughs> It was, was like, okay. This guy's like, this is my last moment. Hey, Tony. Okay. <laughs> the bouncer, Tony, fucking Homer Simpsons from the hedges into the scene. <laughs> he was in the Sopranos, obviously. Yeah. He checks out the autopsy photo and doesn't recognize dude from the bar, but he does recognize him as a model of something. From a magazine? Nah, from like a poster, you know, by the construction sites. They got posters over there. So that's where we're going to go. Benny and Stabes head over to the fucking (laughs) construction site to where the fence is plastered in like all the posters. Stabes points up at the sign directly above that reads post no bills. And he looks at Benson and goes, lawbreakers. (laughs) It was giving sixth grade safety patrol. (laughs) Is what he was (laughs) serving us. So they start looking for the victim's face on these posters. They're ripping shit off. And our victim is pictured with a woman on a poster with a cross on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Benny reads the caption on the poster and it says, we chose the path to love. (laughs) And then she goes, looking pretty heterosexual. (laughs) 
there's a logo on it uh, for Regenesis. Ugh. And I'm like, ooh, are we talking gay conversion shit? It's rage day over here at SVU Pod, everybody. <laughs> right? We're angry. I know. It's going to be so fucking, of course it is. It's called abomination. All right. We all know the fucking yeah. misuse of that word. In the Guess what? We were both raised super Christian. So if you don't want to hear two angry people who also are well informed on what they're talking about. Right. No. No, anyway, yeah, it, yeah. Just strap in, strap in, strap ons, because we're fucking pissed. I was just gonna, <laughs> I was just gonna say this. Sentence. You were? Yeah, I was just gonna be like, strap in, strap on. Like, I, it was the oh. exact same thing. I was just gonna fucking say, it. I don't know why it popped in my head. Maybe because we're telepathic or something. I, it but, has to be. I've yeah. never said, I've never said those, that. I never have either. Oh my God, I love you so much. Okay. I love you so much. God, I'm leaving my family. <laughs> like finally yeah duh <laughs> okay so we're back at the precinct huang and the squad examine all of the info that they've got huang says that regenesis is a christian ministry that started in the 80s that works to convert people to heterosexuality Ew. kelly and Derek singer both ex-gays are the founders mm. benson goes oh gays reform to gay bashers and huang's like not quite and I was like, well, it seems pretty black and white to me, but go ahead. Sure. He says that Regenesis doesn't condemn homosexuality outright, but thinks it's a sin and should be resisted. I have a soapbox to creak out on real, real quick. That whole stance is a thin veil for bigotry and is a fucking cop out. 100%. If you don't support and embrace someone for who they are, you're not accepting them. This is creating harm. You're creating harm. I read something once. When I say I read something, I mean I watched a video. And when I say I watched a video, I mean I saw a TikTok. No, I don't know. I don't remember where I heard this from. But And when I say I watched a TikTok, I actually mean I had a dream. <laughs> well, I saw this thing about like what not to say when someone comes out to you, like your kid or your friend or whatever, because we think it's a good thing to say, I love you no matter what. Like that feels really supportive. But the addition of no matter what mm -hmm. tells them that being gay is lumped in with other things you somehow overcome to love someone. Yeah. Like even though you're fucking gay, dude, I'm going to love you anyway. Like that's no, just I love you. Yeah. Just I love you will do. I love you. I support you. I will fucking fight somebody like it's that's it. Yeah. Back to the show. But I'm keeping my soapbox handy because... I think I'm going to need it. Anyway, they're talking about ex-gay shit. Stabler asks, well, why is it bad if someone thinks homosexuality is a sin and wants to change? I'm asking for a friend. You guys, I'm Catholic. Kwong tells him that the assumption that that can change in a person is the thing that's fucked up about it. Mm -hmm. Regenesis says they've converted people to be straight, but they don't have the proof to back it up. And most psychiatrists believe that it doesn't work. I found that on lgbtmap.org that there are 20 U.S. states plus D.C. that ban conversion therapy for minors. Mm -hmm. Six more and Puerto Rico have partial bans. Wisconsin is one of those. And the rest need to fucking get it together. That's that. Those are, I thought they were just completely banned now. I didn't know that there was still a thing. No. Ew. I know. Well, they were taken out of the, Novak says it later, homosexuality was taken out of the DSM-5 in 1973 as a, you know, mental defect or whatever they used to call mm -hmm. it. But yeah, the conversion therapy shit. This is restricted to mental health practitioners. Religious providers, in heavy quotes, can still damage all the kids they want with this ignorant, harmful shit. So this Vic that was repping this fucked up movement as the literal poster child was still DL gay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now let's go find out who wouldn't like that. All right. Mm. Benson and Stabler are at the Regenesis headquarters. They're talking to the founder and his wife. This dude looks like Giovanni Ribisi's cousin. He does. Right. I thought like he, he was going to be, be important. Yeah. 
because of his face. Same. <laughs> For some reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and the lady looked familiar to me, too. And I I looked her up. I, I think it's because I recognized her from House of Cards because she was in three episodes of that. But otherwise, I didn't really know her from anything. But they both okay. had a familiar yeah. look about them. Yeah, they did. I was like, ah, they're going to they're going to be the ones that but it's going to take to the very last minute to circle back to them. But yeah. so the victim's name is James Reed. He was last seen by the Regenesis founder six months ago. They say that they loved James. And Benson's like, only if he's straight, right? Benson then asks them if they are straight. And there's like this weird pause, like, no. And then the dude says that Benson Stabler probably think think that they are religious fanatics and that God suddenly made them straight. He says it's a struggle for him and his wife every day. Can you can you fucking imagine feeling like I'd rather die than fuck this person, but god damn it, I gotta? Oh my god. Or is this just like it just is this just like regular straight marriage too after a few years? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, what Huang was saying is that a lot of people that consider themselves ex-gay or converted just remain celibate, which is fucking lonely. That's I mean, uh, great for you if, if that's what you want to do, but if you're doing it because you think that you're a sinner because you're gay it's just fucking ugh. i know the whole it's idea just, of it is just fucking awful. this is so it's enraging awful. it's enraging so much that i've like looped back around and just calm about it because i'm like fuck you that's you know? the scariest kind of anger for me yeah sorry okay <laughs> stabler asks how james ended up on the poster james quote wanted people to know that you can be accountable to god and have joy in your life homosexuality doesn't have to control you but then six months ago he had some doubts so Benson's like, in other words, he had a boyfriend. That doesn't look good for y'all. So they're kind of accusing the founders of killing James because mm-hmm. it made their organization look like a scam. And they, of course, deny it. Then the founder dude says he wouldn't care if James had 100 boyfriends in 100 blocks. <laughs> they wanted James to come back. They really liked him and they wrote him a bunch of letters that he never replied to. Stabler tells them that they need the address they wrote James at. Gay husband founder dude finds it. Oh! <gasps> Oh my God, I did write this. I know it's early on, but he looks familiar like a brother or cousin of Giovanni Ribisi. <gasps> His hair is wild. I, I, I forgot. Yeah, I wrote that. Uh, James, and then I go, and he and James were in love or he was in love with James and James didn't reciprocate. I can't, I can't believe I fucking, I love you so much. I can't believe you even wrote cousin. A brother like, or cousin. Oh my God. Because you didn't say <sighs> doppelganger. You didn't say fucking lookalike twin twin nothing Mm -hmm. oh my god we are speaking telepathically today we are the same oh my god i'm gonna go run into the wall tell me if you feel it (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna punch myself in the face (laughs) did you get it Uh. okay now we're at james apartment benson stabler there no blood was found on the mattress so he probably wasn't killed at home and then i'm like oh my god fucking smell that mattress bitch remember the yacht where it was totally somehow amazingly clean but smelled like bleach and they ripped it open there was like a ton of blood yes also and that's how cabot ended up in witness protection oh my god at ace hardware follow us on instagram <laughs> also in this apartment they looked at the mattress and i went back a couple times there were no sheets on the mattress there weren't there were no sheets they pulled the covers back and it was just like a blue quilty mattress and i was like "Ooh, Weird. the sheets are missing we'll circle back to that Nope. Maybe they were going to go that route and then they changed their mind halfway through. They were rewrites. I don't know. Weird. Or they couldn't afford a sheet at that time or just missed it. Mm. Like in Game of Thrones, there's a Starbucks cup in the background (laughs) of one of the scenes. (laughs) 
<laughs> so James was getting a master's degree at Hudson University for clinical psychology. They find the letters from the founder, Derek, at Regenesis. They're unopened. And they find a photo of James and a guy named Phil who could maybe be his boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Benson and Stabler kind of start debating on if sexuality is a choice and what choice makes you a good Christian. Oh, my God. And the simplest question to squash the <sighs> choice debate is when did you choose to be straight? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Stabler says, well, I don't know, maybe some people choose to be gay or straight. And Benson's like, oh, so you chose to be hetero? And he was like, no. Yeah. And he totally misses the great point she made. And she just like rolls her eyes and goes back to like, yeah, like it, it's laughable. It's like, no way. I finger ladies. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a dude and I like boobs. Like I've known that my whole life. Yup. Mirror that. Mirror that for someone else. Right. Yeah. He's just a big old dummy. He's just a big old bubble butt hot dummy. <laughs> bubble butt. Bubble 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 butt. Remember that music video? It was so good. Bubble butt. Bubble 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 butt. Yep. They also find 20 to 30 letters from Nebraska with no return address. These letters are open and say fucking that dumbass radical religious bullshit statements like all queers will burn in hell or whatever. Same fucking bullshit we've all heard from ever from those motherfuckers out. Where are they from? Are they actually from Nebraska? Westboro Baptist Church. Uh, yeah. I believe they're from Kansas. Are they even around anymore? Um, yeah, the leader of it. I, I, I go into it later, but he's dead. It was mostly like just his family members, right? Yes. That were in the church. Mm-hmm. And like yes. a lot of them, like a lot of his siblings like left and st- or his kids left. Yeah. Benson finds Phil's number on James's phone, a.k.a. the best cell phone to play Snake on. Remember that motherfucker? I loved that phone. Yeah. We're always going to bring it up. That was, yep. it was iconic. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. They had... You could have this thrown ringtone. that phone out of your car window on the interstate, turned around and picked it up, and it would be in one piece, perfect condition. Or if it went through somebody's windshield, it would literally crush their skull. <laughs> People would tie notes around it and throw it into bakery windows when they were trying to threaten them. <laughs> right. Bakery. <laughs> well, right. I don't know. <laughs> so Benson and Stabler go to speak with Phil. He's a dentist. He's cute. Yeah, this is his first of three appearances on SVU. Oh, so Phil read about James's death in the paper. Stabler says, well, I'm surprised you didn't report your boyfriend missing, Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> has, has Dr. Phil been on that long? God, probably. Yeah, yeah dude. I mean, Fuck. 2003, yeah. Phil, Dr. Phil, this was his heyday. Wasn't it? Because this is when Oprah, Oprah still was like, this yeah. guy's fucking great, everybody. Right. And we're all like, Dr. Phil rules. Dr. Oz rules. Beef is terrible. Like, everybody was just like, whatever you say, <laughs> Opes. So Phil is James's ex, but James doesn't have any family, so he's taking care of the funeral arrangements, which is really nice. You said funeral really weird. I did? You did. You said okay, funeral, hold on. funeral arrangements. <laughs> so they met at Regenesis and decided to leave the program together. They just kind of looked at each other and they were like, what the fuck are we doing here? They broke up because they weren't really in love. He's like, he wasn't the love of my life and I wasn't really the love of his life. They got what they needed at the time from each other, which is kind of a great way to look at a past relationship, to mm-hmm. be honest. Yeah. For me. Yeah. Phil says he thought it would be easier to be straight, but now can't imagine being any other way than himself. I like Phil. Oh, me too. He doesn't think that anybody at Regenesis would be angry enough to go after James. They all seemed like good people that were just hurting, you know? Mm. 
Stabler shows him the hate mail and the guy's like, ah, could be anyone. James wrote a lot of articles that pissed a lot of people off. Benson tells Phil that James could have been with a man the night of his murder. And if he knows of any new boyfriends, James had told Phil he was seeing someone new, but the new guy was way in the closet and Phil didn't think it would work out. Stabler wonders if the dude will come out of the closet long enough to go to the funeral. And I was like, fuck, dude, it's Giovanni Ribisi's cousin. Well, let's head over to the funeral, shall we? Some puke fuckers from Nebraska are on the sidewalk at the gates of the cemetery protesting gay with hate speech outside of James's burial post-funeral. Some Westboro Baptist shit. With those like classic neon signs that they Ugh, do the really, in real life. The bright ones that are like fucking gay is bad and just they say the F slurs so many like, times in this fucking episode. I know. Benson Stabler, Munch and Toots walk past them to enter the cemetery and Toots is pissed that these pig slot protesters are there and wants one to step over the line so he can shut them up. And I love him for this. He's mm-hmm. such a fucking Nazi puncher. So they all chat on info updates. Munch had asked around the funeral but no one knew who James was dating. This fucking nutty blonde bushy eyebrowed hate preacher shouts at phil as he arrives Mm. and calls james a quote disgusting f slur and goes on about what god thinks about homosexuality and shit he's obviously the fred phelps of the group the former leader of the westboro baptist church uh who's Mm. fucking dead 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 now also i always found it so fucking like if I was a Christian, like, quote, blasphemous to be like, I know what God thinks. Yes. I'm sorry, what? Isn't it the other way around? You don't get to fucking... The audacity. Yeah. Well, Phil gets upset and... These... Wait, also, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the... calm down. You do it all the time. I can do it sometimes, too. I, um, I didn't even react. <laughs> oh, I thought you went... I thought I, I thought I heard you go... <sighs> uh, no, I, I was all geared was up like, to talk no, and then no, you... Bitch. Told, so I was like exhaling. Oh. Like, Stop it. Okay, I'm sorry. This dude also looks exactly like the creepy dude. Stop! (laughs) Okay. This dude looks exactly like that creepy dude from Poltergeist, remember? Mm -mm. The one that comes up and he's like, hello. (laughs) Um, But it it couldn't be that guy because that guy has to be long dead along with every horse you've ever met in your childhood, Tasha. (laughs) Shadow, no! (laughs) See, you can write a joke. You wrote that down. I can do it. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, you did it. Thanks. Shadow, no. <laughs> okay, so this preacher, Fred Phelps, motherfucker, is yelling shit at Phil, and Phil's like, "What the fuck did you say, dude?" And they get in each other's faces. Mm-hmm. Time to shine, toots. This motherfucker crossed the line, went where he wasn't supposed to go. He actually, I noticed. I watched it twice. He mm-hmm. was actually pushed by the lady behind him <laughs> on accident. <laughs> it was funny. So toots and Stabes grab the preacher and place him under arrest for trespassing. Woo! Back at the precinct, we're in an interview room now. Benny and Staves are interviewing Reverend Mitchell Shaw. That's this dude. Mm -hmm. Shaw goes around protesting and shaming people, and he claims that he's doing God's work. Stabler goes, uh, did he ask you to ignore all that love thy neighbor stuff? And the dude quotes the Bible. If a man lieth with another man, as a man lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Leviticus. Soapbox. Okay, so this shit. I'm pushing my sleeves up. This shit. I, I like how Stabler's like, mm, actually, 
I'm Catholic. Uh-huh. I know stuff. He's like, um, I am also <laughs> Catholic. Yeah, I was also raised in the church, and I've also have been told this shit. So mm-hmm. this shit's from Leviticus. Okay, I know we all know that it's taken out of context, but let's get into it for just a quick second. Okay, this verse that he just quoted is part of what's called the Holiness Code. Okay, it also includes eating the wrong foods, having tattoos, wearing uh, blended fibers, having a physical disability. Mm-hmm. They never bring that one up. Mm-hmm. Having sex with your wife on mm-hmm. her period, working on the Sabbath. It goes on and on. This was written by a man, by the way. Okay. And it was written to encourage Israelites at the time to separate themselves as much as possible from pagans. All right. Mm-hmm. That in mind, that's, that's the base. So in the, in, in pagan tradition at the time, what? You were just like, just like hard gearing yourself up to fucking. I know. Just, Cause, because I have yeah. like, I have like 90 thoughts going. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So one of the things that pagans were doing, okay. Temple worship to pagan gods and goddesses included sex with male shrine sex workers. Okay. They had, they had people come in and this was, this was a part of their tradition shit. Right. And pagans were down with all of this other shit too. The tattoo, the poly blends, the hot ham and cheeses. Like it was all just a way for (laughs) Israelites. Shrimp. (laughs) Shrimp. It was all just a way for Israelites to not assimilate and to keep this holiness code. Okay. It was just about separating all these things from the pagan. All right. Take your Christmas tree down if you're anti-gay Beverly. Mm -hmm. Also, twofold, it was referring to the regular practice practice of sex abuse between men and young boys okay it was saying Mm -hmm. that's not cool all right so when jesus came because the greeks and shit they were all about that oh yeah oh yeah dude when jesus came the following of these laws was over okay romans 10 4 christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes okay so you just fucking believe and there's righteousness for you so all of these laws don't fucking mean shit all right Galatians 3, 24 to 26. So the law was our guardian until Christ came. I'm going to emphasize that. So the law, this law, was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus. Hello, New New Testament. Yes. New Testament. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. That's why it became cool for all of that other shit in Christianity. All of that shit is cool, except for Mm -hmm. the gay shit. Why did they keep the gay shit? Fucking fight me. Fight me on this shit. Yeah, I don't know. I would love, I would like, because I know the arguments that you're going to bring to me. You're going to bring the abomination. Don't even get me into the translation of that fucking word and how that is not what it meant. Don't even get me into the fucking don't even i mean the translation of the book period the period period and, or king james deciding what should actually be in the bible which did not include any of the women writing or oh. just whatever Right. What I'm saying is the argument for what is being said is in the Bible. That is not in the Bible. Let's say that your religion is to follow the Bible to the letter. And you are saying that the Bible says being gay is a sin. You are incorrect. You are incorrect. Right. The end. (sighs) All right. Back to the fucking show. Mm -hmm. Stabler's talking to a wall, but lets the preacher know how he's being contradictory. All right. He's like, 12 years of Catholic school. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Boom. Let's have a Bible verse quote off, guy. And Shaw goes, Mm -hmm. this city is full of sodomites and you waste your time protecting them. And yet you wonder why so many other NYPD brothers were struck down on September 11th. Do you not see the Lord's judgment upon you? And Stabler must have rolled up his sleeves in the bathroom before this questioning because his forearms are crossed. They are so crossed that Jesus dragged them up to Golgotha. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrible. (laughs) 
my god. <laughs> I love those memes that are like, if God, if Jesus was passive aggressive and he's holding the cross, there's like a little bubble that's like, no, it's okay, I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I uh, oh, if I believed in hell, I'd be I'd be going there for that. Um, so that this guy, this guy fucking got under Stabler's skin. Ooh, yeah, he Stabler was a man. shoves the metal table to the side and gets so close to Shaw's face. <laughs> Stabes breathes really hard. <sighs> he wants to headbutt this fucking hate raisin. Uh-huh. And he goes... <laughs> hate raisin? <laughs> Stabes goes, I see a scared, shriveled up piece of trash who uses God to justify his bigotry. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, oh, Benny's there too. I did not, she was not there before. Mm-mm. Benson says, Stibs, chill out. This dude's just a troll. She doesn't. <laughs> she doesn't say it like that, no. But she's like. She doesn't even tell him to chill out. She's ch- just like. Ch- chill it yeah. up, Brokeemus Maximus. This dude is just a troll <laughs> trying to get his name in the papers. And Shaw's like, no. No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm telling you what God said. She reads what Shaw said about James in the hate mail. He calls him an AIDS-infested F-slur. And he's like, you can't arrest me for writing letters. Stabler accuses him of killing James, but Shaw says he wishes he had, but was 10 to 35,000 blocks away. So <laughs> he couldn't have. Okay, so Stabler and Benson come out of the interview room to chat with the whole crew, including Novak and Cragen. Stabler is furiously chewing on a coffee straw. He wants to fucking strangle this guy. He's like, look, I've already got my sleeves rolled up. I fucking hate this guy. Let me just fucking crush his windpipe. Fucking Munch is like, I don't know. I love this guy. I want to invite him to the Christmas party. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are talking about. <laughs> yeah, that was the, that was my favorite part, favorite Munch thing ever. Yeah. I was like, yeah. You're, that's fine. I like you. He's like, I like this guy. He's great. <laughs> Shaw was at another protest the night James was killed. So Novak's like, we can't hold him on anything, dude. You guys got to let him go. Benny argues that since Shaw targeted James, one of his followers could have killed James. And Novak tells her that they need to connect one of Shaw's followers to the murder. And then maybe Novak can get Shaw on the fighting words doctrine. Thanks for the link, Alyssa, our note taker. She made that a fucking link for me. She linked it to mtsu.edu, and it says that the fighting words doctrine allows the government to limit speech when it's likely to incite immediate violence. Hmm. Munch and Toots didn't get info on James's new boyfriend. A lot of people left the funeral after the fight between the protesters and Phil. Taylor says none of Shaw's followers would have had sex with Reed. They would have just killed him. Okay. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> he still doesn't get it, but okay. Munch is like, well, look at this. I found this. I found this camera just laying there. Somebody must have left it there. Novak's like, I didn't hear that. Whoop! And she slick smiles about it. <laughs> He's not supposed to have it. <laughs> Kraken's like, get it back to the guy. Yeah. And yeah. Munch goes, oh, yeah, totally. I'm I'm super nice, though. So I'm going to develop this film for him first. Kragen says, <laughs> OK, fine. Use the photos from the found camera to ID the other people that ran away. And then we're all going to close our eyes and cover our mouths and plug our ears and sit on a branch together because none of us are supposed to be doing this shit. <laughs> OK, so now we're at the Hudson University East Quad. We're going streaking. Yeah. Munch and Toot speak with people who went to the funeral. James's advisor is there, but he only really knew him from their like working relationship. Mm-hmm. He didn't really know much about his personal life. Also, I love this guy. He's like a little turtle. Oh, he's yeah. so cute. <laughs> this dude isn't necessarily recognizable, but I look up everybody. So I do have to mention his first role, his first credited role. It was on the 1981 TV series Ryan's Hope. And his character's name was Dick Biggs. <laughs> Nuh-uh. Yes. Shut up. Dick Biggs. What a great name. I'm naming my first son that. (laughs) 
Okay, go ahead. Um, Dick okay. Dick Biggs. So, Talking to Dick Biggs. Dick Biggs. So James was working on a research project about reparative therapy and how homosexuality is a form of arrested development and can be cured. Munch points out that most shrinks think it's crap. This dude agrees. Mm-hmm. It's an experimental practice unproven at best, he says. Patients usually just develop anxiety, depression, and increased risk of suicides. James' study was provocative because reparative therapists knew it didn't work. I air quoted super hard around therapists, by the way. Mm-hmm. They knew it didn't work, but took money anyway from the people who wanted to be cured of homosexuality. A snake oil cure, he says. Yes. He says to him, he says, a snake <laughs> oil cure. Okay. Toot says that that could have ruined a few careers and could be a motive for murder. The only thing is, only four professors, including himself, know about James's project. Toots obviously wants their names. One, Roger Tate, a proponent of reparative therapy, resigned recently. He thought there was methodological problems with James' study. Obviously, Munch and Toots want to talk to him fucking first. I love this guy. Now, Roger Tate is being interviewed. It's that one dude. I love him. Um, he was on that one show with Marty McFly. Remember the models or whatever? Okay, yes. I whatever. also love this guy. The show is called Just Shoot Me. It was from the late 90s, early That's aughts. It. I loved that fucking show. Who else? Was, um, David Cross came on one time like his episode mm-hmm. chicken pot chicken pot chicken pot pie it was my favorite episode <laughs> really problematic now but like that was yeah i remember having that episode on vhs because i discovered david cross like his comedy as being on that show which is like not the way to discover david cross so jack gallo this guy that this guy played jack gallo okay on on that show um now he's playing Mm -hmm. roger tate his first gig was in 1957 and he worked steady until he was pops on the goldbergs from 2013 until he passed away in 2021 Oh, he passed away? This guy had a 64-year career. Wow. And then I'm like, OMG, he's the bad guy. I forgot that he was Pops. Tate says he respected and really liked James. He just thought the methodology for his study was flawed. They actually debated at several symposiums over the past few months. I don't know why that's fancy. It's fancy. You're right. Yeah. Tate and James had differing opinions on homosexuality. James thought that homosexuality was a naturally occurring variant. Tate thought it was a complex pathology having to do with how parents' behaviors can affect the sexuality of male children. Like, uh, like, like the classic, an overbearing mother and a distant father. Like, mm. fucking, okay. They do that with serial killers, too. Yeah. So Tate actually thinks that homosexuality can't be cured, but can be controlled with therapy. Which is like, why do you have to? Just fuck some dudes. Mm-hmm. But what does it matter? Toot says that Tate must have been pissed that James' work could have contradicted his own work and maybe he'd fucking lose out on some money because of it. But Tate was like, James wouldn't have ever been published. Tate says he didn't hate James. He felt sorry for him. He didn't think that James was normal or happy. And he's like, how could he be? Mm. Which just like hurt my heart. I know. Toots and Munch are outside of Tate's office and Munch says, overbearing mother and a distant father. I got some shit to look into because (laughs) this guy. Yeah. I'm loving Munch's little like shit this yeah. episode right. usually i don't i'm like he's like shut up oh yeah you rat king you fucking rat king <laughs> all of a sudden tate's son ian bumps into munch and toots on their way out and munch is like i fucking recognize that guy. and goes to the reception and was like hi um was that elliot stabler and she goes no oh, no that's tate's son ian oh as soon as ian crossed this path i'm like he did it it's he i was really making a lot of he predictions yeah this time and it, this wasn't a real difficult one to figure out but i was like oh look at me i'm doing it yeah <laughs> now we're at the precinct we're getting info on ian tate 
Ian was photographed at James' funeral. Oh my God, he's 20 years old, no record. Tate pays for Ian's apartment, which is located a half a block away from where James' body was found. And I'm like, Jesus fucking Christ, now we're breaking up blocks in halves? Yeah. Like, what is going on? Yeah, it's... Yeah, they're trying to throw me and you off, specifically me and you. That's 100% what's happening. They're like, in the future... These actually, these lines were actually done in post in 2023. (laughs) If that's the case, please tweet about us. Okay, so Ian and James's phone record showed 50 calls between them. One call was on the night James was killed. So the squad is starting to speculate that Ian may be gay. No shit. And probably hates himself considering his dad is Tate. Huang says he may do anything to keep the illusion that he's straight. So as they're speculating, Craig is like, so we're saying Dr. Homophobe's son is gay and killed his boyfriend. And I'm like, Craig, that is the most SVU line that's that's more of an SVU line than scared stiff guy from the beginning. <laughs> okay, Benson and Stabler catch Ian outside of his apartment building, and they say they want to talk to him down at the precinct about James. Ian refuses to go. Who is he, by the way? I, I looked into him. He has a longer career, but I literally recognized him from nothing and everything. He looks very familiar, but there was nothing that yeah. I found. Somebody please let us know. Let me know what I missed. He reminds me of the guy from Game of Thrones, that really shitty guy that cut off that other guy guy's dick remember reek his name wasn't reek but he reminds me of him a lot okay so ian refuses to go to the precinct and terribly denies knowing who james was he's like i didn't even know the guy (laughs) didn't even know the guy stabler's immediately like dude we got all these fucking phone records ian's a deer in headlights when they tell him that james is dead and he's like i didn't do it nobody said that but okay when benny suggests that james and ian were anything at all to each other he's like no that's sick bro. That's fucking sick. He says that James was harassing him because of Tate being his dad and calls James the F slur. Staves is like, weird. Did you know that most homophobes are actually repressed homosexuals? Thanks, Huang, and gives a thumbs up to the camera. Benson (laughs) asks Ian for a DNA sample and Ian's like, "Mm -mm, nope, and walks away. During this exchange between Benny and Ian, Staves had grabbed the door for some lady leaving the apartment building and boom, now they can go in to collect evidence. dryer maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> public area we don't need a warrant and then they best friends smile at each other and head into the building mm-hmm. in the laundry room benson and staves are looking at all the dryers one of the dryers is really hot so stabler checks out the lint trap inside and there is the same blue nylon yeah, the, that they the, found on the, the sheets. dryer's really hot it's got <laughs> big old titties and it's wearing a thong <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> Tabes finds this blue nylon. She's asking for it with her mouth wide open. Oh my God. <laughs> She's got a leak. <laughs> oh, jeez. Stabler finds this blue nylon shit and he's like, oh, this is enough for a warrant. Is it? Apparently, because now they're in the apartment of Ian Tate. CSU and SVU are there. The apartment had been completely cleaned and smelled like they had just painted it. The mattress looked new and they couldn't see any issues with the wall that could have caused James to have drywall in his hair. But then Benson examines the wall behind the bed where there were framed pictures. Behind one of the pictures, the wall 
had been patched at head level. Tate and Ian walk in just as they're cutting into the wall and Stabes gives Tate the warrant as Ian's eyes dart all over the wall they're cutting into. He's freaking out because OMG, how did they find that? I hit it so well with that 12 by 18 pick hung crooked on one nail. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Benson, <laughs> Benson finds blood and hair behind the wall patch. Ian is arrested for James's murder and his dad tells him not to say anything because he's getting him a lawyer. All right, we're at Ian's arraignment now. Ian pleads not guilty to murder in the second degree. In front of the mole judge. Mole judge. That guy's so moly. It's, it's like so, insane. You guys want a judge? I'll give you a fucking judge. Every episode, I want him to keep <laughs> yeah, morphing. Further and further. All right. He puts like, his hands up. He's still a human, but then there's just like tiny fur claws. claws. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, and they're barely poking out of the long, oversized judge robe sleeves like fucking Ariana Grande. Oh my God, cute. <laughs> When the judge asks Novak about bail, she requests remand because he is a danger to the community. Mm -hmm. Ian's lawyer says James was defending himself and saying Ian was being sexually assaulted by James. Novak's like, um, there was no report of that. And this is the first time I'm hearing of it. Ian's lawyer says, as the ADA for SVU, you should know that rape victims often delay reporting their attacks. I'm like, oh my God, this bitch is using Mm -hmm. whatever. Novak says that Ian's semen was found at the scene Ian's lawyer then asks if a woman has an orgasm when she's raped. Does that mean she was asking for it? The judge is like, fucking chill out. He waves them off and says that the argument is beyond the scope of these proceedings. Mm-hmm. And he puts Ian in remand. Now we're at the office of the district attorney, Arthur Branch. Old Uncle Arthur Branch. <laughs> drinking a fucking mint julep. Uncle Artie hanging on the porch. I hate when anybody has to talk to him, especially a woman, because he comes off as like their dad. They're really condescending. I'm never going to be proud of you, dad. Yes. Novak tells Branch that Egan wasn't raped. Well, she doesn't know that. She's calling the claim a lame attempt at a gay panic defense. Matthew Shepard's judge wouldn't even allow the gay panic shit in court. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we wanted to go on about Matthew Shepard, but... I didn't because I was going to do that as the chaser, but there was... So- I'll, I'll, I hit oh. that later. I, yeah. I was I didn't because there was so much to be there were I could have done 35 chasers yeah I could have done yeah 9,000 blocks worth of chasers yeah it's not just for distance anymore <laughs> my goal weight is 45 blocks <laughs> 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 Branch points out that in New York, gay panic falls under extreme emotional disturbance. God, that's so stupid. Novak's like, dude, fucking juries don't buy that shit anymore. And then Branch is like, well, then why are you so worried? Mm. Branch knows that Novak is worried about juror prejudice. If even one juror thinks that gay people are predators or sinners, it could cause the charge to be lessened or it could cause an acquittal. Mm-hmm. God, I fucking hate 12 of my peers. <laughs> I know. Why? We're fucking morons. It's so dumb. I know. But also, like, I also don't want one rich person judging me. I know. And getting, like, money or what. I don't know. This is fucking... Branch tells Novak to not play into the politics. If they try to make it about straight versus gay, she needs to make it about fucking murder. Which she doesn't even end up doing. It's all about straight and gay shit in this mm-hmm. whole thing. Right. I don't even know why he said that. Well, 
Benny Staves and Novak are talking about Ian over lunch at this diner. I studied their table for too long. I did too. It looks like Staves and Novak had burgers. Staves didn't eat the bun though because he's ahead of his fucking time. Benny's eating just a pile of tuna salad on a leaf. Benson calls Ian a loner and says he has no friends and basically only talks to his dad. There's nothing to tell them that Ian had dated anybody. There's no financial records linking him to any gay bars or magazines. Nothing. Munch shows up and tells them there was a report made to the local PD from the emergency room the night James was murdered. A patient had reported an assault and Ian is listed as the victim in the paperwork. To the emergency room. Benny and Stabes talked to an ER nurse about the rape report. I I like her. Me too. Uh, she's not putting up with their shit or them questioning her fucking job. She's like, bitch, I have been doing this job for 22 years. I fucking know what I'm doing. Back the fuck up. I'll give you what you need. But like, do not. Do not. Yeah. I've got rounds to do. Yeah. This woman fills him in. Ian had told the hospital that he was mugged and had marks on his arms and torso. Benny's confused because the report wasn't called into the local precinct until the next morning. And the nurse is like, well, welcome to the Thursday night knife and gun club, detective. We were fucking slammed. <laughs> Right? They asked her if she had checked for sexual assault. And she's like, um, no, because he didn't report it as being the cause of his injury. And men underreport as it is. Right, detective? You know that already? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you coming and acting like I wasn't doing my job? Yeah. She wasn't as defensive as I'm being on her behalf. But uh, she was very straightforward, cut and dry. Like, Mm-mm. no, I didn't because there was no evidence that he was sexually assaulted. Okay. Yeah. He also could not have left and come back after checking in because he would have lost his spot. And I'm like, OMG, his dad. Mm-hmm. Yes, Tasha, we all know what's going on at this point. <laughs> that same morning, James's body was found 20 minutes after the report was called into the PD. James's body wasn't on the street that night when Ian was on the way to the hospital. Call back to the sanitation workers not seeing the body at 11 p.m. the night before James was found when they picked up trash. Benny and Staves think that Dr. Tate got rid of James's body for Ian. And Staves goes, we got to place daddy at that scene. Yeah, they say daddy a lot in this. I love when yeah. they're like walking out of the hospital and they're like, putting it all together and they're going back and forth and they're like they should have just like jumped up and fucking high-fived and paused midair because they were just such a team <laughs> benson stabler are talking to hot bomb squad crime lab guy and they're going over the findings with benson the drywall from ian's apartment does have james blood on it but it also has someone else's oh when James's head was bashed against the wall, the killer's arm also went through the wall and was scraped and cut by the drywall when he was coming out. The blood is in Ian's, but it's a partial match, meaning the blood belongs to a relative of Ian. Oh my God, possibly his dad. Oh my God, crazy. Like, come on, we know this already. Go. Go Ugh. get him, you guys. Uh. Go on, now get. Novak is at Rikers Island talking to Ian and his lawyer. His lawyer wants the charges against Ian dropped man too. But Novak says, I think I have something better for you. She actually wants Ian to recant his statement. And the lawyer's kind of like, mm? Ian says that he told the truth. James forced himself on me. I fought back and jumped the body. Novak says, oh, when did you jump the body? But he can't answer it. He doesn't remember, he says. Then Novak tells him they found his dad's blood at the scene. Novak is getting intense. And she tells Ian she knows he didn't go to the hospital because James attacked him and that it was because his father actually did. His dad caught Ian and James together and flipped out. Ian's lawyer stands up and says that if Novak has evidence that Ian's dad did this, then she has the obligation to drop the charges against Ian. Novak doesn't even fucking break eye contact with Ian and says to his lawyer, if you don't want Ian charged with accessory, sit down now. And continues talking to Ian. And I was like, 
bad bitch. Oh, that lawyer sat down like somebody else's dad yelled at her when she was 12. <laughs> yes. That, yeah. Ooh, that's a scary. When you get yelled at by somebody else's parent. Ooh. Yeah, that's terrifying. Ian starts talking. He says, you have no idea. Novak says, no, I don't. But I can imagine how you must feel. And James knew what you were going through, didn't he? He knew what it was like to hate yourself, to want to change and know you can't. For the first time, someone understood you. Now he's gone. You didn't go to the hospital because James attacked you. Your father did. Ian mm. is all quiver lip crying and says yeah. that his dad didn't mean to kill James and that he was just shocked seeing him quote like that. He's like, will you tell them that? Tell them it wasn't his fault that he killed James. He wasn't himself. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. <sighs> I know. Boom. Benny and Stabes storm Tate's office where he's having a group session of conversion dudes. Move, gays. Dr. Taint is under arrest for the murder of James Reed. Dr. Taint? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why did we not say that this whole time? I can't believe that. Jeez, I don't know. That's so I, easy. I, yeah. All right. We got to get to the courtroom. Novak fucking squeeze up to the courthouse on her goddamn huffy. Tate's lawyer is right there to meet her. Her splatter paint huffy. <laughs> She fucking wore the helmet for a really long time, too, when she peeled up. Yeah. She fucking chucks a newspaper at the front steps. <laughs> She's like, ah, oh, the last one on my route. The courthouse. <laughs> right there's just right one on single time. guy. There's one single guy in a robe and slippers that comes out and gets the newspaper and goes back in. <laughs> yeah. He shuffles out. He waves across the street. She's like, you owe me two bucks, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was so funny. His name's Dan. <laughs> okay. Tate Sawyer's hanging out by the bike rack waiting for fucking Novak. She comes up introducing Dave Seaver, reoccurring lawyer until 2011. He's a series guy, you guys. Tons of regular roles in a bunch of series dating back to the late 80s. So he tells Novak that he thinks Tate murdering James qualifies as justifiable homicide because Ian claimed James raped him. And Novak's mm. like, well, Ian now says the sex was consensual. So, mm-mm. Seaver says it doesn't matter because Tate thought it was rape and acted on that. Mm -hmm. He leaves Novak on the courthouse steps holding a summons and her bike helmet. Okay, so Novak and Seaver go in to meet with the judge in this case. And Seaver argues the whole thing that he had said to Novak outside that Tate thought he saw his son getting raped when he walked in on James and Ian. So he killed James and that makes it justifiable homicide. All right. Mm -hmm. He goes on about Tate's work, speaking on his mental state, his work being that he says gay men are sexually aggressive. So, of course, he assumed his son was being assaulted. Right. Novak's like. Dude, judge, this is the most homophobic and bigoted bullshit angle. They're going for jury nullification. Mm -hmm. And the judge is like, fucking relax, Casey, and decides that the case does need to go to trial. In the trial, Novak is questioning Ian. Ian tells the court that the night James was killed, Ian's dad had brought over dinner and he had a spare key to his apartment, so he just walked right in. Ian thought his dad was out of town, so that's why he felt comfortable having his boyfriend James stay overnight. Mm -hmm. Dr. Tate caught them in bed and started immediately attacking James and then attacked Ian. Also, in this line of questioning, I'm like, wouldn't Tate attacking Ian immediately tell us that he didn't think his son was being assaulted? Like, yeah. why would he attack his son? Yeah, exactly. It just didn't what, make sense. And they never that, fucking, that they never bring it didn't. up. No. Yeah. 
Then Seaver questions Ian. Ian hadn't told his dad he was gay, even though he had known for a very long time. And and then Seaver's like, you even went as far as to make up a girlfriend. Nean's like, fucking Sandy? Jesus, that was in high school. Mm-hmm. What the fuck, dude? Seaver's really coming for Ian. Through the line of questioning, Ian confirms that his dad had only been violent when he was defending Ian in the past. And when asked why Ian covered for his dad, he said he did it because it happened because of him. And he thinks it's his fault. Like, Mm. if I weren't so sick, I could have controlled myself. Oh, this poor fucking kid. He didn't want his dad going to jail for what he called his mistake. Dr. Cahill is now on the stand. This is one of Tate's research partners and a real smug fucking bitch. She is a smug ass bitch. I can't wait to hear your voice. Her nose is pointed so erectly at the ceiling. Like the back of her head is resting in between her shoulders. Yes. Back. Yeah. It's so uh, in in the most condescending white lady kind of way. She's on the stand. She says that they found through research that homosexuals solicited sex from minors engaged in high risk behaviors and had violent sexual relations more than heterosexuals. She her voice was that it was like ridiculous. Yeah, it had it had some more uh, vocal fry to it, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, she's lying. That's not true. Uh, She Mm -hmm. also says homosexuals suffer a multitude of psychological problems. They're more likely to be depressed, alienated, and have issues with rage. Novak... You just said alienated. Yeah. Like, you fucking dumb bitch. Right. You're describing symptoms of a person who is being marginalized. Mm -hmm. So now Novak cross-examines the stupid bitch Cahill, this walking fucking blazer Cahill. Oh, God. I just love how she fucking outsmugs this lady. She's like, oh, uh, where where are these studies published? Well, actually, they, they're not. Oh, they're not published. Mm, okay. Yeah. So they're not respected published papers. Got it. Got it. Well, good luck with that. Um, yeah. And she's like, it's because of the mainstream. My brain was like, shut up. Mainstream, mainstream psychology. psychology. Uh. So Novak continues. Every other study also says that pedophiles are more likely to be heterosexual. Huh. Also, you yeah. stupid pair of eyeballs with a blowout, the American Psychiatry Association <laughs> removed homosexuality from their list of mental disorders in 1973, and every other major medical association was like, yeah, duh, us too. So all that's a conspiracy or mm, mm-hmm. dot, 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 you dumb bitch. Now it's Dr. Tate's turn on the stand. He's being questioned by Novak. He keeps saying that he loves Ian, but she tells him, you don't love him more than you love yourself since you let your son take the fall for this fucking murder. And he's like, Ugh. I'm on trial for attacking a man I thought was raping my son. And Novak does not get tripped up here, though, dude. She's like, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. you're such a righteous dad. Then why didn't you just call the police after all this? Why dump the fucking body? Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, you can't presume to know about our relationship and how much I love him. And Novak's fucking fired up. She goes, uh, maybe not. But I know he's sitting in this courtroom listening to you mount a defense based on the fact that you think he's a deviant, you dumpster. You dumpster dad. And then she hops on her bicycle and yeah. fucking zooms back to her seat. And she, But she's doing it on, on her just one wheel, the back wheel the whole way. She's <laughs> she like fucking wheelies the, back, the, to the, back to the table yeah, that's dude. a sixteenth of a block away. <laughs> right. 
I mean, she really got him though too. He was like, she "What?" Did. Yeah. In the precinct, Novak comes in and Benson asks how court went. She says that some of the jurors believe Tate. Novak now feels bad, thinking she just like outed this poor kid, mm. and nothing will happen to his dad. Novak asks Stabler if he ever wonders if any of his kids are gay, and he punches her in the face. (laughs) (laughs) He says he hasn't asked, and Benson tells him, he's like, you fucking, you know your kids, you would know if they were gay, which I don't... That's not necessarily true. I I know. Novak agrees and tells him that Dr. Taint's whole defense is based on not knowing that his kid is gay. Dr. Taint's defense. (laughs) But Novak doesn't fucking buy it. Benson Stabler didn't find any girlfriends in Ian's past because they hadn't been looking for them. Yep. Whoops. Benson thinks that if Ian was gay all along, so did his girlfriend. They got to find her. Mm-hmm. Benson Stabler are speaking with Ian's high school girlfriend, Sandy, who is just adorable. Little cutie. Yeah. She's like, I haven't spoken to Ian in years. I don't think I'll be much help. Kenny, you're the smoking gum. <laughs> nice. <laughs> the guidance counselor at the high school told Benson Stabler that Sandy and Ian had dated for years. She's like, mm. We were good friends, but I wouldn't call it dating. He wasn't really interested in the physical part of it, but we both loved each other. Yeah. She says that Ian never came out, but she knew. And she was totally okay with being there for Ian so he wouldn't get picked on like the other guys at school. Benson and Stabler ask her if she ever told anyone like Ian's dad that Ian was gay. She says no. Sandy's mom weirdly shows up in the doorframe like the Homer Simpson thing. She's just... I loved She was like, I did. She's like, I fucking did. Yeah. He's like, Mom, what the fuck? Why would you do that? She's like, Ian was here all the time. He was like my second child. He was so sweet. And I could see how much he was suffering. So she told Dr. Tate Ian was gay during his senior year. Mm -hmm. She was like, dude, your kid is fucking gay and he's depressed and you're making it harder for him. You need to be a fucking dad. Yeah. Dr. Tate thanked Sandy's mom and then asked her to never contact him again. Mm -hmm. So he fucking did know. Yes, he did. This mom, love and adore her. She was an ally when Mm -hmm. it like was not time for that. Mm -hmm. She was on two episodes of some show called Celebrity Ghost Stories. (gasps) I'm assuming acting in a reenactment, but her credits are Ghost Rose and Louie's Ghost Mom. (laughs) I love those ghost shows because they have the cheesiest reenactments and I just like live for that shit. Mm -hmm. Novak and Ian are met by Dr. Tate and his lawyer in the DA conference room. Tate's like, oh my God, what's what's happening? Why are you here to his son? Instead of like, I love you. I'm sorry this is happening. Mm-hmm. Novak tells him there's an offer on the table and they're like, we're out of here. And they're like, if you fucking leave, it's gone. So Novak is offering murder to 20 to life and she won't pursue sentencing enhancement under the Hate Crimes Act. And Dr. Tate gets to choose whatever prison he wants to go to, which I didn't even know that was a thing. Mm-hmm. She's like, hopefully you'll get one where you're not going to be fucking murdered, you hate crime, gay bashing fucker. Tate's lawyer's like, fuck no. But Novak's like, I got Laura, Sandy's mom, as a rebuttal witness. Remember? Dr. Tate looks fucking shook. And then fucking Ian, finally, is his time to shine. He calls his dad out for knowing he was gay the whole time and not telling Ian he knew. Ian spent his whole fucking life thinking that if his dad only knew he was gay, he wouldn't say all those hateful things that he always says about homosexual people. Because he loves his son and knows his son is a good person. He took all that crap because he thought his dad wasn't doing any of this stuff to hurt him on purpose. Who would do that to somebody they love? Their own son. Oh my God. Tate tells Ian he can help him. And Ian's like, what makes you think you can make me any more straight than what I've already tried to do to myself? Dad, all you've done is make me wish I was dead. Oh, full body chills. Heartbreaking. 
Yeah. And his dad is like, oh, I'm guessing they made the deal. I don't know. But Novak meets Ian outside on a bench and it's the first time you kind of see him smile. She lets him know that the dad took the plea. Ian says that it's weird sitting here, like wondering if people who are walking by know he's gay or not. And he remembers that James was happy that he was out and said, quote, guys are more fun. And then Novak laughs. and She's like, I agree with James. <laughs> mm. Ian knows that life won't ever be the same moving forward. It's never going to be like how it was. Then Novak tells him that she's sorry she made him deal with something he wasn't ready for. Ian stands up and smiles and he's like, I'm not and walks away. Mm. Toy fucking Yoda, dude. Toyota. Toy Gayota. <laughs> All right, let's get into this shit. Let's do this chaser. I wanted to do multiple chasers for this episode. My rage could have fueled it, I think. But Well, what's sad about this is I'm sure there was so, so, so fucking many cases to choose from. Well, yeah, and they referenced so many things. There's hate monger Fred Phelps in the Westboro Baptist Church. There's the awful, terrible, mm-hmm. brutal murder of Matthew Shepard. I've already touched mm-hmm. on Charles and Richard Saccharides uh, in season one, episode nine, Bad Blood, when I talked about Narth mm-hmm. and the conversion therapy that they did therapy the anti-gay conversion psychiatry do you remember them it was i just mentioned yeah. him because the chaser was actually and then they fell in love up. right what who fell in love? aren't they the ones that fell in love they started a gay thing a gay <laughs> no charles and richard they were one of the first ones to start the ex-gay conversion therapy camps oh, and then no, they no, no, ended no. up falling in love no and getting that's married. that's not them charles and richard saccharides oh. are father and son and charles saccharides was one of the founding psychiatrists for narth the anti-gay conversion thing and richard mm-hmm. was his son who came out as gay and then founded equality matters and was a principal of advisor in the Clinton administration on LGBT civil rights mm. and a bunch of other awesome stuff. But so we've mm-hmm. talked about that. Season one, episode nine. Oh. All of these things are viable topics. I would have loved to just fucking dive into all of them because it's insane and everybody needs to know about the shit. But we're going to today focus on the gay panic defense. First of all, mm-hmm. the fact that this is a defense. Just law scholars, please tell me another hate crime veiled as fear that's permissible as a defense. Please tell me one. Right. But we're going to get into it. Okay. On Wednesday, Wednesday, June 25th, 2003, two men were fishing on Rough River Lake about 70 miles southwest of Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. They came across a suitcase, which is never good. When the men opened the carry-on-sized rolling suitcase, they found the body of a young man who would go on to be identified as 36-year-old Gwyn Ritchie Phillips. Now, his first name is G-U-I-N. I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce it, but he went by Ritchie, so that's what I'll be calling him. Ritchie was a gay man from Elizabethtown, Kentucky, who had been missing since June 17th, so it had been about a week. A few days after he had disappeared, his truck along with some personal items were found abandoned in southern Indiana. Then days after that, his wallet was found in a stream about 20 miles from where his body was ultimately found. Hmm. When his mom reported her son missing just a couple days after he had gone missing, she told police that she was worried someone had done something to him because he was gay. Mm-hmm. And they were like, he's an adult man, so he doesn't need to be like checking in with you, right? Right. On the day he disappeared, Richie had been seen out having lunch and also in the vehicle of his friend, Joshua Cottrell. Now, some articles, again, when you read multiple articles about something, there's usually conflicting shit. Some articles say that he was 
was with a different friend at lunch, but most of them said that he had just spent the day with Joshua Cottrell. On Friday, June 27th, two days after the discovery of Richie's body, police arrested Cottrell. He was indicted on charges of murder, robbery in the first degree, tampering with physical evidence, and being a persistent felony offender in the second degree. Prosecutors were seeking the death penalty. At his arraignment, Cottrell pled not guilty and was held on half a million dollar bond. And there were multiple delays leading up to the trial. So this actual trial didn't get going until January of 2005. Okay. By the time this shit went to trial, there was a pile of evidence against him. So some of these pieces of evidence included proof that Cottrell had bought the suitcase six days prior to the murder. Richie's blood was found in the bathroom of a motel room in Elizabethtown that Cottrell was staying at. <laughs> Cottrell's DNA was found in Richie's truck. During the trial, there was some key testimony. Rob DeWitt, the friend who had introduced Cottrell in Richie testified that he had told Cottrell that Richie found him attractive. Okay. Cottrell is this 21 year old fucking kid who fucking doesn't know, you know, he's this 21 year old kid. So he maybe isn't emotionally mature enough or whatever. I'm not saying like a 40 year old man wouldn't do the same shit, but that's what we're dealing with here. Cottrell replied to Rob telling him this by saying he would cold cock Richie if he ever tried anything. Cottrell's aunt Wendy McCanley and his cousin Tara Gaddy were major witnesses for the prosecution as well. His aunt testified that Cottrell told her that he intended to murder Richie a week prior to going through with it because Richie was gay. She says that she didn't believe him and just assumed that he was a fucking bigot just saying shit. Then, after the murder, he confessed to her that he had lured Richie into his hotel room where he took his shirt off and asked Richie if he liked him without a shirt. When Richie said yes and approached him, Cottrell put him in a chokehold and strangled him. Tara Gaddy, Cottrell's cousin, added that he showed up to her house in Richie's truck after dumping Richie's body and said to her, quote, he's gone, he's dead. Cut and dry, right? Nope. The defense decided to use the gay panic defense, a.k.a. the gay and trans panic defense, a.k.a. the LGBTQ plus panic defense. It can literally be used to take a murder charge to voluntary manslaughter. And this shit is fucking wild. And I want to unpack how unbelievably archaic and awful it is. All right. Two things. I did. I dove back pretty far with this shit. Have we ever gotten the bends? Because here we go. <laughs> In You always laugh whenever I... <laughs> I just like it every time. It's just funny every time. <laughs> In 1859, the temporary insanity defense is introduced, okay, which can result in a not guilty verdict by reason of insanity, all right? The gay panic defense piggybacked on that while simultaneously using homosexual panic as its base reasoning. So homosexual panic was coined in 1920 by psychiatrist Edward Kempf and was classified as a dissociative disorder and also described as, quote, panic due to the pressure of uncontrollable perverse sexual cravings. Ooh, cravings. Yes, see, you picked up on that, right? I'm going to get there. It even had a short-lived moment in the DSM-1, but was never considered a diagnosable disorder by the American Psychiatric Association, okay? Originally, by Kemp's definition, it was brought on by, quote, homosexual advances, but by the person's own, quote, aroused homosexual cravings. Over time, this has been twisted by fucking mm -hmm. no homo super straight dudes, obviously. Yeah. Basically, you get hit on by a gay guy and then you get fucking pissed because you're like, I'm thinking I want to do this. Fuck, I'm no, I'm no gay. 
Right. It like totally is true. The people who are the most homophobic are fucking. Yes. All right. So we were talking about Kemp's definition of homosexual panic. Okay. And it was based on like your own aroused homosexual quote cravings. Right. Mm -hmm. But over time, this has been twisted into temporary insanity because of unwanted sexual advances, usually between two cis men. Trans panic defense is, duh, mostly used by cis men after a crime against a trans woman. Mm -hmm. The claim is that the defendant was provoked and acted in self-defense combined with a diminished capacity. It has since been banned in 17 states. Not Wisconsin, though. Not us yet. I've never even heard of this. Yeah, it's it's wild. If you know of a charity working on this, we need to donate for the Patreon charity of the month. Okay, back to this trial. Gay panic defense. Cottrell testified that prior to the murder, he had moved to Elizabethtown and was introduced to Richie. He didn't have a place to live yet, so he was living in the budget motel. Also, Cottrell didn't have a vehicle, so on June 17th, 2003, Richie had agreed to drive him around to pick up job applications around town. Cottrell Mm -hmm. testified that the two were running around for about three hours before going back to the budget motel where he was staying. Then his testimony gets very different than what his family testified that he told them on the stand Cottrell said that Richie followed him into his room and told Cottrell he was sexually interested in him he also said that he didn't explicitly invite him into the room and then he came in and said he was sexually interested in him then he took off his shoes and shirt and laid on the bed asking Cottrell to lie with him Cottrell said that he told Richie multiple times that he wasn't interested he says that Richie grabbed his crotch unzipped his own pants and aggressively tried to kiss him this made him fear for his safety so he hit Richie and And they fought a bunch until Cottrell got Richie into a headlock and subdued him. Fucking choked him out. Mm. He said when he was leaving the room as he was telling Richie to get out, he turned around and saw Richie on all fours about to stand up. And then he walked out. He came back 20 minutes later, but Richie was unresponsive on the floor. Then Cottrell says that he attempted CPR before realizing Richie was dead. He disposed of the body because he didn't think police would believe him that this is what happened. Nor fucking should they. Yeah. So he got rid of his body and he got rid of all of his belongings separately like it, it all added up to exactly the way they found everything defense attorney scott drabenstad's closing arguments included this quote this kid is not a robber yes he did some very inappropriate things with the body but what set it all in motion he was privileged to do what set it in motion were the actions of a 36 year old man Cottrell was found guilty of the lesser charge of second-degree manslaughter, theft, and tampering with physical evidence. Theft because he took like $300 out of Richie's wallet. Richie's brother, Greg, later said in an interview with The Advocate, quote, I think they were looking at my brother being a homosexual when they made their decision to pick the lesser charge. Mm -hmm. The jury recommended Cottrell be sentenced to 30 years, 20 for manslaughter, and 10 for the other charges. But the state law was limited to the maximum of 20 years. When he was being sentenced, Judge Kelly Mark Easton told Cottrell that he was fucking pissed that he could only give Cottrell 20 years and that he couldn't get the crime out of his head. He said he kept picturing Cottrell, quote, driving a truck that you had stolen from a man who you had just killed with the body of that man crudely stuffed into a suitcase in the bed of the truck. Mm. And then he was sentenced. Cottrell was eligible for parole in 2007, only two and a half years after being convicted. I was like, he better not have fucking gotten out. He didn't. His appeals were absolutely fucking ridiculous. I could burn with rage and talk about this for the rest of the fucking day. He was like, well, they said this in court. Like all of his arguments were so fucking stupid. He was denied Mm. over and over. And as of the most recent thing I could find about it, an article I read in 2018, he was still in prison. But I think he would be eligible for release this year. Hmm. Well, fuck him. Yeah, fuck that guy. God. (sighs) 
That's it. I hate it. That's it. Hated it. I hate everything. Don't be a bigot. It's not that fucking hard. It really fucking isn't. Care about people or completely ignore all of it. Like, just do one of those. If you need to do the absolute least, be indifferent, please. Yeah, I just... uh... And just so you know, that's not good enough. But, you know, if you're... Just don't actively be a piece of shit. Oh, my God. I'm tired. Okay. (laughs) Next week... (laughs) (laughs) next week we have season five episode nine control Ooh, tasha control a guy is found castrated in a subway station turns out he has an abusive past and it's going to be hard Mm. to find out who done it because there's so many people who hate him i think well i'm sorry are we going to be talking about lorena bobbitt oh just that description i'm like oh that sounds like some john bobbitt bullshit yeah first missing dick of season five. First missing dick that's a big one well who knows probably not wait is castrated is castrated just balls isn't it dick and balls or i guess it could be either or both i guess i don't know because castration with like fucking cows is what a wisconsin thing to reference it with it's it's just their balls i guess we'll find out I guess we'll find out. Yeah. Next week. <laughs> and not Googling immediately after we are done. So you know what? Thanks for listening. Rate and review us. Email us at svupod at gmail.com. Send us shit. P.O. Box 176, DeForest, Wisconsin, 53532. Shelby. Shelby Dubs is the one who sent us the invite for her wedding because she posted a picture. Yes. On the Facebook group. I would have loved to be there. I know. How fucking cool would that have been to actually just like show up and be like, hi. Oh my God. That would have been so It would have been really lame. First of all, Shelby, you know what I didn't? I thought of this after I commented on it. And I was like, listen. She's like, oh, I I invited all of my favorite celebrities in quotes. And I'm like, I know that you're referring to like us being the ones who are not just like, yeah, Tasha and Gabe. I'll throw up a bone. But like (laughs) celebrities in quotes. We're not. I I don't I'm I'm I am not the person that's gonna argue that, but like it was just funny. It it seemed like a it seemed like a little like undercurrent of a read, and I loved it, Shelby. Keep it up. I loved it. And and then somebody else said that they sent us an invite after they saw that she did that. And I was like, oh my god, I have to go to our P.O. box today and check it out. Follow us on Instagram at SVU Pod. Yeah. Join the Facebook group, SVU Pod Elite Squad. We also have a chat room called Walk and Talk that's pretty fun. Hashtag a little bit loud for indie pod. Join the Patreon. We have so much fucking content. It's insane. Check out our store. We have merch and personalized videos now. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. So yes, yes, yes. Love, Love you. you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> not, we're not the same. All right. <clears throat> Back at the precinct, we're with Hong and. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> not really. It's it's getting on and off once you once you're on that. Whatever. We're not going on a fucking cruise. We're not going on a have you been on a cruise bang fiesta, huh? <laughs> A Disney finger bang fiesta. <laughs> he thought there was a methodolo- He thought there was methodolog- methodological. Jeez. He thought there was methodological problems with James' <laughs> study. <laughs> Just the third effort was. Uh, <laughs> And to our Elite Squad patrons, Sonia W, Marissa M, Elki H, Annie G, Mary D, Andrew, Andrew, Rebecca D, Miranda B, Shelby W, Lex, Emily T, Kayla W, Mallory G, Bonita R, Marin, Marin. Vanessa, Amy P, Melanie G, Courtney W, Ursula S, Kate H, Uyana, Oof, Tasha, Uyana, Catherine M, Kate P, Jessica S. (laughs) 
Jessica S, Nicole M, Acacia V, Kelsey D, Jana M, Joshua H, Tammy J, Burr, Crystal, Lucy M, Trisha S, Sam D, Emily A, Mac Attack, Casey W, Abby W, Alexis J, Lauren T, Cassandra S, Kaylin B, Camille Z, Nisha G, Maggie D, K Allen, Katie M, Crystal B, Jessica P, Nada M, Sin, Christina D, Liana, Madison H, Emily O. Oh, so you're just going to bring your whore to Billy's soccer game? <laughs> I thought this divorce was mutual and respectful, but clearly it's not, Dale. Oh, God. <laughs> Victoria B, Scout G, <laughs> Melissa M, Desiree D, Drew B, Quentin S, Amberly C, Laura H, Luis M, Eliza W, Katarina G, Sapphire. Okay. <laughs> Monica K, KDS, and Trish S. We love you and appreciate you fucking guys. You're the best. You're the best, 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 best. We love you. Oh my God. Okay. The the little bead in your Ritalin extended release release or something? One of the little pew, 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 pew. Kind of. Oh my God. I'm so excited to go rip some framework off in my garage. done? Huh? Yeah. Thank you.